right, the helicopter is revved up and ready, folks. We're going straight to New Jersey. Just a moment. Just want to say hello. My name is Jude. It's 2021. Jude Gold here with No Guitar Is Safe, episode 132. Five and a half years running. And wow, what a guest today. Ron Thal, a.k.a. Bumblefoot, beloved the world over for his amazing solo music for his work with Guns N' Roses. Not only was he on Chinese Democracy, but he toured the world like three or four times with the band. You know we're getting deep into all that stuff. He's gonna play a ton of guitar for you. Everything from Judas Priest to Stevie Wonder, to Beatles, to Boston, to Asia. You know, he's the lead guitarist and lead singer of Asia these days. He's just not messing around. And he sent me a couple of Sons of Apollo tracks true prog supergroup right here and he's plugging in his incredible vj double neck so throughout this interview he has the fretted neck on the lower neck and he goes up to the fretless neck i mean yeah you just gotta hear it we're going deep perfect way to start off a new year yes the thimble is in the house and he's gonna sing his ass off for you too what i mean he's the full package and as if that wasn't enough, you know, Ron, metaphorically, man, he went through the fire. I mean, we're kind of lucky we still have him because he, well, this is a beautiful story, a tough story. At the end of the interview, he's going to tell you about just the miraculous recovery that he made. And it's going to be an inspiration to any of us out there. I think he's playing through his helix from line six. Just a quick note that I will be doing a symposium with Jennifer Batten and Gretchen Men and Vicky Genfen. They're going to be teaching Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, and Joni Mitchell, respectively. I'm going to be teaching some Van Halen. It's this Saturday, January 16th. If you want to learn more, just check out guitarcloudsymposium.com. We're going to the clouds. Again, my name is Jude Gold. This is No Guitar Is Safe. It is presented by Guitar Player Magazine and GuitarPlayer.com. Guitar Player. Play better. Sound better. I am so thrilled, Ron Thal, finally. I remember we used to try to do it in New Jersey, but now we're doing it on other sides of the country. Here we are today. Yes. Welcome. Here we are, Jude. Jude, 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Oh, that's beautiful. Fretless. Keep going, keep going. That fretless is like it's like a slide guitar, but you're playing a fretless. It's, exactly. It's basically it's like for anyone who hasn't ever played a fretless before, 
Just picture playing slide, but the slides are on your fingertips. So it's as simple as that. You're going to put your fingertips where you would place a slide, which is directly over where the fret would be to get the, if you want that precise pitch. But the beautiful thing about fretless is that you don't have to have a precise pitch. You can let it be a voice, let it be imperfect. <laughs> I can't even tell you how much I love that. Now, what's, show us like a true bluesy fretless move, like a blues song or something, or just even a phrase. Oh, there's, I mean, there's so many, just anything you would, you know. Anything. How high are you? Um, how high are your strings on your fretless as compared to say like a typical fast lead rock guitar fretted setup? Is it the same or higher or lower? Pretty much the same. Yeah, it's basically it's the same. It is. Actually, I should tune up. And it's great for playing Zeppelin. There's so much you could do. Uh... That's that, amazing. Uh, hell, what else? I should yeah. probably take an ear off so I could hear what I'm doing and play actually. Fantastic. In How about this uh, one? Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds so great. Now, wasn't that actually an F? Yeah, I don't know what key it's in. Man, that is just a beautiful yeah. sound. I'm just getting all the feels from that. Ron, thank you so much for playing that. It's, any, uh, it's fun. What's the latest fretless kind of moves that you've been working on that you've I imagine every week of the year you're always kind of evolving your playing I don't know if there's anything new that I'm really doing or something that's inspired you in the last couple years that you've started doing fretless uh (laughs) well I think using it so much with Sons of Apollo for some of those low droning growling kind of riffs and things yeah I would say that you know doing a lot of that where I'm what I do with them is I tune it down sort of like the seventh string of a seven string on the sixth string. So I tune down the low E to a low B. So it's going from a B yeah. to an A to a D. And a lot of the riffs do that. And I'm just skipping a lot of... I love it. Yeah, I saw you on one of those videos. You kind of like, you get the down, 
down, like right by the nut. I can't do my voice low enough. Oh, but, you know. Yeah, I was doing the uh, Iron Man kind of. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I guess a uh, kind of dime bag inspired. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so cool. It's almost like you, you don't need a bar when you have a fretless guitar now. No, it's like a bar in both directions being able to, yeah, you have the... Or. You know what it is? It's a barless mitzvah. A blessing, <laughs> not including a bar. <laughs> I thought you might get that one. It's just a mitzvah without the bar. Yeah. So, and and you, <laughs> you can make harmonics travel with that thing. Which is so. Oh, yeah. The whole uh, Tony Franklin. Yeah. Yep. And uh, doing like chirped harmonics and things. I do a lot of that, actually. When you slide that harmonic up, it sounds like you're starting with like a natural harmonic where, where you're not actually. You start with a natural, and then as once you start moving it, you gently press down, not quick and hard enough where you're gonna be like doing a hammer on. You don't wanna go from. Right. You wanna. Yeah. Yeah, like that. So you just gently, as you start to move it, uh, you press it down. Well, first of all, is that a glass fretboard? What are they made of these days? I, th I thought somebody had a glass one once. Um, I think someone has made one with a glass board, but. Uh, Vigier, V-I-G-I-E-R, Vigier. That's the company I've been with for about 23, going on 24 years now. The Cheese Guitar. Uh, the Cheese Guitar, yes. Uh, they <laughs> were the ones making a fretless guitar, and they were making it with sort of like a brass type of material, which is what this one is. This is one of the older ones. And now they do more of a stainless steel type of material. But having that metal material that's not porous you do get more sustain from it so it's good so wait yeah, they they nailed it it's interesting because it looks like wood over zoom here but then in certain angles there there's there you see the reflection wow so it's it's just very unpolished dirty brassish metal all the best guitars the best feeling guitars have that unpolished thing i guess it applies to metal too is that a lightning risk on certain stages <laughs> be careful out there please it, it, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you could get some catch some radio waves through that thing too it's just, there's you know it's really interesting hopefully not there's power it's like a, having a monolith of metal on your neck it's really cool i like it i do so it, it definitely it's a, it's a back workout and i hope that's uh going well for you i know that you're recovering from probably still from that car accident hopefully made a lot of progress but oh yeah yeah you know Life goes on. Yeah, yeah. We all, man, aches and pains, they start to multiply, I guess. <laughs> they, they add up over time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, you get more and more dings and scratches and bangs and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's life. But the sound gets better and better. If I may, I'd love to ask you about your other metallic appendage. The, uh, I think you've referred to it as a portable fret, but it's a... The thimble, yeah. So... The thimble. So that's something I've been doing a good 30 years. Do you still keep that in your guitar? Like, did you just pull that out of your guitar? There's the Yes, the guitar has a hole, a magnetized hole in it <laughs> that holds the oh, thimble wow. in there. And then you just grab it and... That is such a satisfying sound. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk. I'd never realized it was, <laughs> it was uh, magnetized. 
Very cool. It is a magnetized hole. And yeah, the Vigier folks, they, they were smart. They, they came up with some good ideas. Dude, what gauge thimble do you use? No. <laughs> Whatever fits on my little pinky. So uh, I've been doing that since the very beginning, since the Adventures of Bumblefoot album in 95 on Shrapnel. Barney. Uh, the way it came about is I was about 18 years old and you know, I was very experimental. Tried all different things. I would build all these strange guitars and do things like I would make my own double necks with an octave higher little neck coming out of the bottom horn of a Stratocaster. And, and I made one where the neck, the whole fretboard, I pulled out the frets and lined it with coins and shaved down the edges. So I was playing on a fretboard made of just imperfect coins. Wow. And really strange, horrible sound. Horrible. I respect uh, that, though. That's kind of like prepared guitar or something. You're going to get something interesting out of it. Disrepair. <laughs> disrepair. So, <laughs> disrepair. And I was looking for ways to extend the range of notes on the string that are accessible. Because, you know, what are we doing? We are shortening lengths of string. And we use the fret to have that exact precise spot. But once we run out of frets, there's still more notes that we can get to. So I was thinking of all different things. I had one guitar that had up to 37 frets going into the, you know, just continuing. Yeah. But they were so small and you couldn't access them. There was no way to get to them. So it really didn't work. And they cover up uh, where the neck pickup would be by that point, too. Yeah, yeah. So that, that option didn't, didn't really work. So then I just, it just dawned on me, simple it's like what are we doing we are pressing the string against a metal fret and the string only vibrates from that point to the bridge so if we can instead of pressing the string to a metal fret if we have a mobile metal fret we can press to the string then we can hopefully achieve the same thing in some way now anyone who has not for anyone out there who has not seen this the thimble is on ron's right hand his picking hand yeah, I keep it on the, the picking hand on my smallest finger. So I'm holding the pick with my thumb and my index finger. And then my second and third fingers I use for tapping. And then the fourth finger is for touching the thimble to the string. So once you are done fretting, then you hit this down. Yeah. And you get the rest of the notes going up. So a lot of my old weirder songs like, uh, was it Guitar Suck was going up. <laughs> going all the way up to the top there, uh, that yeah. kind of stuff. And I love the so it's the slides that you get. You can incorporate with it. It's not just like having a portable fret on your right hand. It's also having a portable slide, kind of. It is. You can definitely you can get all kinds of sounding like shit right now. I should get a heavier sound that'll that'll do it better, but that <laughs> kind it. of thing. Uh, but also, what's interesting about it is that. Wait, can I slow you down for one second? Can you just play us a little bit more? Show us like how you incorporate that into your lines or... Oh, uh, I mean, there's, there's so many different ways. Yeah, yeah. It's basically just once you have more, you know, it sounds like a lot of R2-D2 nonsense, but, <laughs> but that kind of thing. Like you're getting a lot more notes in there that are beyond the board. Uh, you can also do it, you know, more nicely. But the other thing you can do with it is you can touch it in front of the bridge and it's going to shorten the length of string from that direction. So yeah. instead of shortening the length of string from 
the direction of the fretboard to the bridge, you can shorten it from in front of the bridge to the fretboard. So what happens is, let's say you have the notes. Once you touch this down, it's only going to ring out from the notes you're fretting to the thimble in front of the bridge. So it's like yeah. moving your bridge forward, displacing all the frets, making them relatively higher to the length of the string. So. So you can play, yeah. and what I do is I play from both directions of the string. So let's say instead of going 12, 15, 17, and then tapping 19, you can go 12, 15, 17, hold down 17, and then go the same distance that 17 to 19 would be, but do it in front of the bridge, and you would have... Mind-boggling. So you can do a lot of weird trills with it. Oh, like that. that. That is so genius. I guess if you're moving the thimble closer and closer to your fretting hand, then maybe the neck pickup is helpful in picking up those notes because the bridge pickup is way behind you. Exactly. The bridge pickup will not work at that point. If anything, if you use the bridge pickup, you'll just start hearing the higher pitch of it. But if you're using the neck pickup, you're not going to hear that. You're going to get the shortening of the string. You're going to get the, the raising of the, the pitch of the... Yeah. Like that. And just to be a total nerd here, I imagine you start getting more bridge-like, hand quotes here, tones out of the neck pickup as the thimble gets closer to it because with that treble comes from the fact of the end of the string being right next to the pickup. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do get different tones from it. And if you use both pickups at once, you can get some really strange, almost like a ring modulation sound to the stuff. Uh, you know, you're getting the direction of getting higher, but then you're also getting, getting, you get both at once. So you have. <laughs> I'm doing a shitty job of this. Sounds like fucking ass. It sounds so um, beautiful to me. Like you don't even know. Sorry for like being like, hey man, play, play more, play more. But it's just so inspiring to hear your fingers on that guitar, man. I think that the people listening to this are gonna be like, this guy does not know how to play. He just makes stupid noises. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's. I was gonna maybe fly in one of your solos here. Speaking of fly, no. That would probably be better. Uh, no pun. In, in fact, I can give you some examples of spots where I'm using this. Like there's one Sons of Apollo song yep. where I have an out of phase setting of the two pickups together. So it has that very quacky kind of sound. And it's getting that like sort of ring modulating kind of thing going on. Yeah, it was the last song on the second album. doing all that wacky stuff.
Sons of Apollo. What an incredible gig there in uh, Pavliv. Or, sorry, Plavdiv. <laughs> Plavdiv. Yeah, <laughs> Bulgaria. So you got the symphony behind you, and you guys are throwing down out there. Great evening captured in time. It was good. It was, it was a nice experience. Hell yeah. I've played a few gigs with the symphony behind us, and there's a little plexiglass, and boy, is it hard to make those strings come through, even playing at reduced volumes. Absolutely. And <laughs> it's funny. I was just talking about this with somebody, how when we were setting up for it, you know, you have like the lead violinist right behind, like six feet behind the back of a Leslie speaker that's blaring. It's like, there's no way you're going to be able to mix this. You got to, yeah. It was definitely a challenge to mix, to get all that, that bleed out. You know, you have these acoustic instruments that aren't loud, and then you have right in front of it the backs of... <laughs> Guitar amps and keyboard amps and bass amps. Yeah. But they pulled it off. They did a good job. Yeah. yeah. Jerry Gidraws did a good job mixing that. I always kind of think like it's it's the thought that counts of having those orchestras. And then when you get to hear stuff and you actually hear them a little bit here, or a little bit there, it's like that's the true bonus. <laughs> yeah. And the choir was cool too. Yeah. And the it's choir funny. Choir up there. So I've played with some of the musicians in that band, like did a string of gigs with Derek Trinian keyboardist. I noticed that yeah. he has a Engel. I know you love Engel amps, right? And yeah, yeah. I, I turned him on to Engels and he, he loves them. Does he run his keyboards through that or has he got like a little satellite of you? <laughs> oh, no, no. That's all, all the walls of Engel amps you see at a show are all him. Yeah. <laughs> if there are any left over, I use them. I love Derek. He knows how to perform. Like I, we did some TV dates with him and, and he had his keyboard stand rigged up so it leans forward. So that the people can see his fingers, like you know, like a, almost there like a, like a guitar, but it's actually a <laughs> cool, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. There's been a couple of keyboards that would do some wild stuff like that. Chris Pittman, he had this bending keyboard, like it was, it would bend, yeah, and it would, you would just like that's awesome, all of that stuff. And of course, uh, Emerson, yeah, totally, he was killer with all of that. Uh, just like really making it a sight to see when he played. And then Billy Sheehan has now got a double neck bass. I toured a lot with him. I wonder if he took some inspiration from you or something. I don't know. Well, because a lot of the songs are in these two different tunings where I have the fretted neck in drop D and the fretless neck in drop B that yeah. and using both throughout each song. So he kind of needed to <laughs> have a double neck to, to keep up with all that wackiness. Yeah. And it's so great to see you, speaking of Emerson, to see you like on stage with Carl Palmer and um, Asia. Oh, I love him. And you're, you're yeah. singing, like the first video that people might see is you actually singing lead with Steve Howe guesting, I guess when you guys played on a bill with Yes and Asia. Yeah, we did a whole tour as the direct support for Yes. And in the last four songs when we did the big hits, Steve Howe came out and I took off the guitar and I was just lead singer. <laughs> Holding the mic. You are such a great singer. Thanks for singing Hey Jude at the beginning of this show. <laughs> um, I remember, do you ever, I'm not like a fan of social media, but every once in a while, like I remember I put up this melody. I said, hey, people, guess this melody. Wait. Wait. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Jeffrey Downs on Facebook, someone sent it, he, he comes and says, hey, man, that's perfect. That's it. He played it on the keyboards on the original Asia song. Yeah. 
<sighs> Very cool. You singing. Yeah, what a, man, that, that first album. That first album is, is, I love it. It's, is it rock? Is it pop? I don't know. But I can tell you this. I was a kid when that album came out and it said, and now we find ourselves in 82. And that was the current <laughs> year. And now where are we? It was almost 40 years ago. Yeah, 40. Yeah, nearly 40 years ago. It's amazing. Well, hopefully we can head out and, and play the album as a 40-year anniversary thing. Oh. Yeah, we'll see what happens. You know, once, once we can all get out and play again, we'll see what kind of touring can happen. You are such a fantastic singer, man. I've heard you do... Uh, oh, thank you. Thanks. Other, all kinds of stuff. Would you, would you mind singing a little bit for us here or something? Anything comes to your mind? <laughs> like, it could be a pop song. could be Stevie Wonder. could be anything... Let's see, Stevie Wonder, uh, Asia. And now you find yourself in 82. <laughs> Stevie Wonder, uh. If you really love me, won't you tell me that I won't have to be hanging around? I see the light of your smile. It's calling me all the while Then you're telling me Baby, it's time to go We're feeling alright Then it's gone from sight Forgot the rest of the words I love Stevie. Just beautiful, man. You have such a high range on top of having a great voice. But you also oh, deliver the John Wetton voice so well in Asia. Like, you really nail it. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, it, was, it took months of sort of reteaching myself how to sing so that I would default to a new way of singing that sounded more like him than the usual thing because you know you can practice and practice and practice but as soon as you're staring at four thousand people and your adrenaline is up is up you're you stop thinking and and you're just gonna go into automatic mode and I had to make sure that that automated mode of okay uh this has to be open this has to resonate don't put vibrato don't do this don't do that sing it like him uh so it took months of changing my go-to habits of just the way I automatically would sing because it's different for everyone. You resonate in a different place in your mouth, in your nose, in your chest. You tighten this, you relax this. And I had to change all of that and make that a new habit so that yeah. when I go up there, I'm just automatically comfortable singing the way he does because he had a much different approach. You know, no vibrato most of the time, and and his high notes were e's and oos, which are like, you know, not the open vowels right. that you would normally, you know, it would be a loud ah, eh, oh kind of thing. And he's doing the other ones, yeah. which I think was more of uh, that Brit Prague thing. A lot of those guys had that. Greg Lake had that. You know, definitely not the metal guys. They were the opposite. You know, big boisterous vibrato. You know. It was like the opposite of Rob Halford. You know, Rob Halford is very brassy and bright and open. Ah, you know, it's just, you know. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Hey, is that so? That's the song know. where he, he jumps up three octaves in one syllable, right? He goes, you're in for a surprise. 
You're in oh, for that. a shock. You're in for a surprise. You're in for a shock. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can hit it. To me, that is the most metal moment ever. Hitting the high A. Over Zoom. Over Zoom. London town streets Where there's darkness and fire Fire, fire, fire When you least expect me And you turn your back I'll attack yeah, I love priests, especially the old priests. All oh. the said wing stuff and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Even the, the rockerola stuff. <laughs> that very first album. Where would you be without music? You would be nowhere at all. Run for the road. Sharing our load. All of that stuff, yeah. Uh, oh. Such. Wow. That, that upbeat guitar doing the other part. Uh, yeah, well, great. Such interesting stuff on that. Well, album. Victim of Changes changed my life at age 13, the live version, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. Well, first yeah. you need the, the, the harmony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're doing both, gu- uh, you're that, doing that. both guitar players at once right there, huh? Yeah. I do that too. <laughs> Check it out. I do that like this. Can't play with this thing. That's fun. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Uh, Priest and Maiden are great to do two guitar parts at once with. Them, uh... Of course, Maiden, you know. <laughs> or, was it a. So. And then. Yeah. Easier on an acoustic, actually. And let's get the bass in there. I love it. Man, you are. Oh, yeah, yeah. You are crazy. And of course, Boston. Another one. That's fantastic, man. I meet a lot of guitar players who put in 10,000 hours, but you've, you put in like 10 million. Like you're, you're kind of in a, you just made me, <laughs> it's been a you made me time. think of another one. How about this one? You could do, I don't know if I want to play it because I just heard it in my head, but mm-hmm. wait. Mm-hmm. 
I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning for you. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, what a great song! I love it. Now, tell us, did you have any good hangs with Steve Howe when you're on the double bill, Asia and Yes, and he's even sitting in with you guys? Um, had good hangs with everybody. Like any guitar hang, um, something memorable? <laughs> let me think. I'm trying to, I'm picturing the whole thing, like going to P.F. Chang's with Jeff Downs and Alan White. So cool. <laughs> and Billy Sherwood, who's just a great dude. Uh, so, so talented, my God. Uh, you know, all the hangs with, with, you know, these van rides with Carl and, and his band, who are just incredible. Paul Beattle. I'm going to fuck up his name now. That's terrible. I'm sorry, Paul. I can't say it slowly. Paul Bialatovich, the most amazing guitar player. You got to check him out. The stuff he does, like these two-handed classical pieces that just mind-blowing how good. And David Pastorius was on bass. And man, that guy is one of the greatest I've ever hung with. He is just incredible bass playing. I'm going to ask an Uh, ignorant question. Is that a relation to... Yes. His son? Sure is. Is that his son? Mm-hmm. Yes. Next generation. Oh. I saw the movie. Yeah, he's in the movie. That is an amazing film. Anyone who's seen the movie that uh, Robert Trujillo from Metallica made about Jocko. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah. Some heavy shit. Uh, <laughs> some real intense stuff in that, that film. <sighs> and it was just a great scene. Just the old footage and everything. Amazing. Uh, that was an amazing. But yeah, them and Arthur Brown. You know, the, I am the god of hellfire. That Arthur Brown. Okay. Fire. I'll take you to burn. It was the most... He, he was the guy that pretty much set the, the direction for Alice Cooper, for Kiss, for David Bowie, uh, as far as, you know, a painted face, a helmet that shoots fire out of the top and, and all of that. Like, he was the first real theatrical out there guy. And he's the sweetest guy in the world and loved hanging out with him. Just such a wonderful guy. Amazing. And just seeing him perform every night. He's, he had more energy in his 70s than I did in my 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s put together. Was, so, and he was doing the solo <laughs> a set opening or something? Or? Uh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Because Carl was his drummer. That was one of his first gigs. Okay. So when Carl was a teenager, he was the drummer for the crazy, mad, psycho world of Arthur Brown <laughs> doing all of that stuff. So Arthur came on tour and, and during Carl's uh, ELP set, that he would do, Arthur would come out and they would do a bunch of that stuff too. And, and Arthur would sing some of the ELP songs as well. Fucking great. So we all hung out a ton. And, you know, every hotel I started bringing the guitar player Paul to the gym and we'd work out together. He had never gone to the gym like during tours. Like, you got to do it. It's oh, yeah. just the greatest thing. It just feels so damn good just to, to decompress after a show because the shows were ending early enough where we could. And we would go back to the hotel and just lift, <laughs> and, and he really got into it. It was cool. So that was nice. Uh, as far as Steve Howe, I'm trying to think of some hangs we had. Uh, there weren't a lot. You know, he's more of a, a reserved dude. He's, yeah. you know, he's 
not going to wreck hotel rooms and, and you know, set fires and all that stuff. Uh, but we had some really nice chats and just a very gentle soul and a, a nice guy. And, and it was actually, it was really fun. He would make me laugh almost every show when he would come out because you know, I would come over and I would be singing. I would start singing to him and he would motion to me as if, as if I'm like talking to him or having a conversation. He'd be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Like, that, <laughs> like whatever the words are, he would give me like a nod or something and I would almost laugh. And I'm just like, I'm like don't laugh, don't laugh. <laughs> He's amazing. I mean, I remember the first Guitar Player magazine I ever got. Asia was in there, and I think Steve Morse. I know Steve Morse was on the cover. Nice. It, it blew my mind that the beginning of Heat of the Moment, I think he recorded it like double, triple tracked on a little Fender Champ or something. Well, I don't yeah, know what key it's, it's in. It's like a big sound. It sounds it's a very so huge. Full, yeah, and what's interesting, which surprised me, because I'm a Helix, Line 6 Helix guy. So was he. He played everything Line 6 Helix. Hey, that's where we're going, yeah. man. I mean, yeah. I mean, the technology is good enough now. Like it's reached that point yeah. where between you know, the, the geniuses that are able to you know, recreate the sounds of all the different amps and all the different cabinets and all the different mics and mic placement yeah. and angles and distances and all of that, and the impulse responses and the possibilities of routing, I mean, yeah. you could really do what was never possible before. I mean, nothing beats real tubes and hearing it in front of your face. Nothing beats the sound of actual air moving and hitting your ears like that. Uh, But as far as the digital realm and the possibilities, they just keep getting better and better. And it's close enough now. It is. Like the same with photography. It's at a point where... I'm pretty sure the megapixels have surpassed the resolution and the grain of actual photo paper. Which is, yeah, there you go. Amazing. Yeah, I love the Helix, too. I got one right here. I'm using the rack in my studio. I also use nice. love it. tube amps as well. Uh, it is amazing where it's come. Like, even Metallica, who has the biggest budget in the world, I was interviewing James a couple years back, and he's like, man, we don't need to bring guitar amps all over the globe. We, you know, They're not even using amps anymore. They just... Save some. Yeah, all the big touring bands are saving a million dollars a run by not lugging walls of, you know, and tons of amps, you know, and to yeah. have gear that you could fit in your suitcase, now, that you can play a big festival or a guitar clinic with. You know, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to say no to that. What do you run with Sons of Apollo and or Asia? With everything now, I run my guitar into... Uh, Morley switchless wah into the Helix into front of house. So that's fascinating. Now, do you have specific, I mean, obviously the only big variable there is how you're monitoring yourself. I imagine you're using wedges. For Sons of Apollo, I would use wedges. And a little and side fill. for Asia, having vocals and everything, I was using in-ears. Oh, fascinating. So Asia, you don't even necessarily have a bunch of wedges in front of you. We have them anyway. I remember that they were there. Just in case. And it's good to have as a backup. Right. If your ears go down, you don't want to be you know, without any. <laughs> Shred your voice. That's the wrong kind of shredding. So yeah. So as far as playing through monitors, though, and getting the uh, direct tone from your Helix, is there a specific thing that you request at those kind of shows? Or? Usually when I play live, I have nothing in my wedge, really just the vocals, and I have everybody else. And I could hear enough of myself echoing in the venue that I can hear if there's a problem or not. And, and I just do it by feel. And I did the same with Guns with, with every gig. I played without 
hearing myself. And I would have everything except for myself so that I could focus on that and stay locked in to the drums and stay on with the vocals, with my harmonies, and do it all by feel without actually hearing myself other than just the resonance in the venue just bleeding in. Let me get this straight. You're on stage with Guns N' Roses and you don't really have your guitar I, monitoring anywhere? I didn't even know if my guitar was on or off. Yeah, You're just going, you can hear it echoing through the mains. Luckily, in a band like Guns, the guitar is mixed naturally very high, almost above the vocals in some way, or at least equal. So you must really hear it coming through the PA mains, bouncing off the arena. Also, we had the, like a phenomenal front of house guy that knew the music so well. He's the same guy that, that produced and, and engineered Chinese democracy. So he knows the stuff better than we do. Yeah. <laughs> like he knows every tiny little nuance. He knows every, everything. So he would be able to mix it and prioritize a certain guitar at a certain point or a different one. And like, he just, he knew how to make it work. That's, yeah. that is crucial for live rock and roll that the front of house knows where yeah. certain parts are. Put a little echo here, whatever, pull it back. Well, but then for Asia, we had a, a brand new front of house guy and both he and I only had a day and a half of rehearsal before we went out. So I was doing as much as I can where I was changing vocal patches with my right foot using a TC uh, Helicon. Oh. And uh, I would do reverbs and, you know, megaphone tones and even uh, programmed in, you know, smart harmonies. Yeah. And then with my left foot, I would change guitar sounds. Dude. So I was doing that while singing and playing. You're a nut. And just trying to make it as easy as possible for the sound guy so that he could focus on everything else. But he was great. He was phenomenal. And he had quite the, you know, the credits of things he had done. He was really good. That's great. I imagine with the TC Hel Hel Helicon, which is... I don't want to call it a Helix. Helixcon. Helixcon. Helicon. Helicopter. That... I mean, you must send that to separate channels, right? What's coming out of there, and then he blends them, or do you just have that straight on your mic signal on mono? Or uh, I think I went straight in and sent the output to him. Oh, interesting. So that he was getting it if there was a double, if there was a harmony, and and just <laughs> worked out yeah. everything with it. And before the show, it would be me and Carl Palmer would be there. Sound checking and working out the details. Carl would be walking around the room and he would tell me, you know what, you need a little more of your, your mid-range up. You know, it's, it's getting a little scoopy, you know, in this venue, in this area, you know, maybe boost it here. And I would make yeah. a tweak. Like he was really into fine-tuning everything to make it sound good for people. Uh, and then I would also, during that time, I would make sure that any of my vocal effects, that the harmonies were sitting right against the, the main vocal, you know, sometimes if there was a certain megaphone effect, make sure it isn't feeding back. And if it is, we fix it so that it's not uh, pull back some of the drive or, or whatever we need to do. What? That kind of I stuff. love that about you. You're so much more than a guitar player. It feels like you put in as much energy into all the other aspects of making music, whether it's live mixes or recording or singing or tweaking well, it, the gear. It, it all matters. <laughs> and, it, it all matters. Every bit of it. I'm, I'm a detail person. You know, I like. Yeah, definitely. I pay attention to details. And that's important. The devil's in the details. Now, if you were to go back in your mind to the best moment or a, or a great type of an evening on stage with Guns N' Roses, what, what solo would you be playing? Can you, can you put us in that moment with your guitar and 
play something or what was the peak? You know, there was a lot of stuff on Chinese democracy, you know, just being able to play my own parts uh, with the band was, you know, it felt good. There's, yeah. There is something to be said about that. When you get to play something that you came up with, that you wrote, that you recorded, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you show us one? As much as I love playing the other songs, which everybody loves, and you're there to please the audience. You want to make them happy, and you want to deliver those songs the way they love them and, and, and not rewrite anything and, and give them that, you know, whether it's what I did with Asia, trying to sing more like John Wetton so it has the same tone and helps yeah. them reminisce, or if it's with Guns N' Roses. You know, I'm not going to rewrite a solo to Sweet Child of Mine. Uh, that kind of stuff, you know, give them yeah. what they came there to hear. But when it came to the spots where there's a little bit of freedom, uh, or if I got to play my own things, like I think Shackler's Revenge was the song on Chinese that I love playing the most because I yeah. feel like I added the most to that song to, I mean, there were a bunch. There was yeah. Scraped, there was Shackler's, there was, um, what was it called? Uh, Catcher in the Rye certain songs where I was doing a lot of the leads and a lot of just... Well, thanks for pointing that out because you yeah. are credited, I think, on all the songs. So it's nice to know which ones are have a bigger meaning for you. I don't know if... Like, I've been cranking these songs yeah, for... Yeah, I played on everything. Yeah. Like, on... On, a, on you know, the title track. Remember the song? The verses were very empty and I was like, you know what? I need some kind of grit. I need some growl. So I came up with... On the fretless, just having. Well, that's something. <laughs> like that part came up with, uh, let's see, and then Shackler's. Uh, that song, I'm pretty sure Bucket wrote a good chunk of that song. Like the riffs, definitely the verses and all that stuff. It sounds, you know, it sounds like him. So even in in those riffs, there was like this. And then I came up with something that was just a little more bluesy. Oh, those kind of things, putting in there as a second layer for the second half. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the solo, it starts off with the fretless and doing a lot of the dragging harmonics, all that stuff. Uh, and then it would switch to the fretted neck. And I mean, I don't remember half of these solos. It was... Was it a... Something... Something like that I did. Uh, but then at the end, there's the uh, final choruses. I don't believe there's a reason I don't believe in. So I was doing uh, this tapping pattern while I was singing, and it went like... That was it. And then doing it while singing, so it was like. I don't believe there's a reason I don't believe it. I don't believe there's a reason I don't 
believe it. I don't believe it. And then there was like another layer that came in doing that. So I would just switch to that part. And it kept me busy. The song definitely kept me busy on stage and it was happy, made my brain happy. That is so beautiful. Could, could you play that tapping thing like just slow enough for us to hear what the actual sequence of notes are? Oh yeah, it's, it's really, it's just yeah. taking notes that are in the chord and yeah. just hammering on with your left hand and then tapping on and off with your right. And just doing triplets. I love it. Uh, that was just finished with like a. Yeah, I love that stuff. I, this is, I don't know if this is a Greg Howe thing. Really. But I know what you're talking about, about those triplets. And uh, mm -hmm. I can't believe you sing while you're playing through that, man. That's just. <laughs> Without hearing myself. <laughs> uh, other, yeah, oh my gosh. Just going by feel. I forgot you get that. used to it, yeah. What, <laughs> what's your most positive takeaway from working with Axel? Like the, in some way that he inspired you or taught you about music or performing or anything? What, you know, I'm pretend I'm like your high school, but dude, you play with Axel? What, 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 dude, what? What happened? What was it like? Oh, there was a lot of great memories. Uh, that was my first time touring and on such a you know big level with a crew i think at the biggest it was 110 touring personnel traveling and playing places in the world i never played on stages and and in scenarios that i'd never been in before so the whole thing was one big massive incredible takeaway yeah you know the good the bad everything in between you know that's yeah. all part of it like part of anything and it was you know some Eight years of touring that we did and, and recording and everything. Phenomenal, man. We released Chinese Democracy. We did uh, live DVD stuff. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. Appetite for Democracy. Is that the video? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, um, tell us, uh, there must have been many, but a true spinal tap moment on the road with Guns N' Roses, maybe on stage when some calamity or snafu happened or backstage or... The biggest one that I can think of that comes to mind Definitely, it was when we were doing our first show of a tour in 2011. And it was right, it was the first show I was going to be playing after that car accident. And I was very drugged up, and doctors injected steroids into my spine and giving me oral steroids. And I was raging from that and, and on all kinds of just cocktails and combinations of tramadol and this and that and whatever can just get me through a day right. just so I can live through a day with this incredible pain I was in and then having to wear like a 30 pound double neck guitar for three hours that I couldn't even lift on and off of me my my tech had to put it on me and take it off because I couldn't raise my arms because of nerve damage from the accident oh my gosh and just being so drugged up and I don't know how the fuck I lived through it, but whatever, I did. But that first show, and also I had this like massive concussion and, and some took a while for the brain damage to My still there a little bit. Uh, <laughs> just the, just yeah, the so right it amount. Was, it was an odd time and, and I should not have toured 
I absolutely should not have. But, you know, I was being made to think that the world was going to end if I didn't and, and that I, you know, I had to save the universe by touring. Wow. So I did it. And, yeah, that first show, there was a fan in the front row that had a Star Wars Stormtrooper helmet. And she, she was so cool. She was really, she was great. Came to a lot of shows. And uh, so I took the helmet and I put it on. And now while we're playing the show, also there's a huge rainstorm. And the rain was so heavy and getting so high on the stage, it was raising higher than our, fret, like, than our pedal boards were. The puddles? And the, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it was that much puddling on stage. And they had brooms like sweeping away the water. It was making pyro misfire and like all kinds of crazy shit. And the fretless, my fingers were like sticking to it because I was so pruned up that I couldn't slide on them and ah. my guitars were soaked. And so I put on the Star Wars helmet to play with. And as soon as I put it on, I felt like the skin of my face just like stick to it and go. <laughs> and I remember saying, oh, fuck. And as soon as I said that, it fogged up. So <laughs> now I'm completely blind and I can't like this helmet is kind of like stuck to my face where I have to. I wouldn't be able to get it off with one hand. Like I needed to. And the solo to Welcome to the Jungle is coming up that I have to play. And I can't see. And I really need to see because, you know, the way I play, I can't hear. So I don't know if I'm on or off. So I need to see that I'm going up to... Yeah. At that point, I have to make sure that I'm getting up to that ninth fret and not on the 8th or the 17th or whatever. I can't see. I don't know. And, and I don't have my normal feel because the guitar is soaked and my fingers are soaked. So I start playing it and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not going to get through this. And I had to like stop and lift the helmet and kept playing. And then like I nodded or something like, ah, oh, good. And I nodded and it came right back down. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. And it fogs up again and I can't see again. And all while I'm in like indescribable pain and half drugged up and still you know just yeah oh my gosh and so i just have to stop and and just lift up lift off the helmet and to this day i still get people like sending me pictures and videos of it but the day after that show i literally got hundreds of emails from angry fans saying how i like destroyed their lives and i fucking ruined the song i ruined everything you know what because you because i missed a few notes of the solo yeah oh man a solo that i played perfectly every damn show but if, yeah, if there's but anyone one, who prepares for gigs and life and everything else it's you and then to get that that's the irony of it that's the irony <laughs> of being and that was my spinal tap moment was that yeah. helmet and it's pretty funny sight to see uh it's definitely a, a spinal tap moment that is amazing that yeah. was my like, biggest well, spinal I mean, tap moment that harkens back to when spinal tap got stuck in the cocoons You're, yes yeah, the so pods. you very much delivered on that thank you very much mm. <laughs> that, that was quite a story <laughs> i'm sorry about the accent what happened in the car can you is it too painful to relive or how, what kind of accident did you get oh, into no no i was i was stopped i was at a red light stopped a row of cars in front of me and then I just look in my rearview mirror, and it looks like the old cartoons where you see a train coming. Oh, no. You know, and it was just this truck speeding, like an SUV, like speeding up the road really fast and not stopping, didn't even break, and just boom, went just straight into me and smashed me into the car in front of me, them into the car in front of them. And my just head just bounced like a bobble head. 
and you know all the airbags went off uh glass you know all the windows shattered oh it actually broke hit so hard that my metal keychain that i had it broke the key in the ignition that was in the ignition like it and my keys were on the like passenger floor of the car the whiplash like motion actually, broke the key wow it hit that hard yeah and there was like no like the trunk area of the car was just flat like it wasn't even there well wow. and but thank god like i had a toyota camry and they have those crumple zones yeah and they worked like where i was was intact but it was like the, the rest of the car was like in a you know in the back there was like an accordion oh my god and yeah i remember just remember it like slow motion like just i remember saying out loud this is gonna suck <laughs> and you, what, before it hit you said I, that as as the call was coming oh. at me and i knew it wasn't gonna stop and i had there's nowhere i could go and um. and i remember i just went and hit it, i just i just said you know what? i just relaxed i didn't tense up or anything I just relaxed oh man and i remember it was almost like someone slowing down a movie like slowing yeah. down the frames of a movie and it going black as it does seeing my hair fly forward and all this glass fly forward just like oh my gosh and, then, and that's last thing i remembered and then however long it was the black like came back out and the car was just filled with smoke just like white smoke i guess from the airbags and the engine and everything and the first thing i did is i felt my legs to make sure that they were like intact ah. and then opened the door to make sure i could get out because i don't know if it's gonna catch fire or what's gonna happen so I just wanted to get the hell out of the car as quick as I could and just making sure that I had legs to do it. Uh, so I just felt down and they were sore as hell. They, and then I got out and I remember stood up and just straightened out. And I was just, you know, when that happens, you're like really, you're full of adrenaline and that keeps you going. Uh, and you're in some kind of shock. A little bit, yeah. And I remember this, this, woman just gets out of the car that hit me and she just looks at it, and I just look at her and I just yelled at her. I was like, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> that's what I remember saying. And she just goes like, oh, and I was like, oh, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> not good enough. She texting or and something? Just, hmm? She texting or something? What the hell? I don't know, I guess. Maybe texting or, or I don't know what, but she did not stop. She didn't yeah. anything. She didn't even break. In fact, like the guy that, you know, when my car was towed to the place. He said, it's like, what the hell? Like, usually if someone breaks, the nose of the car goes down. And this was like, up, like she didn't even break. So like oh going like God. 50 or 60 miles an hour, just straight into the back of me. I'm so sorry. And then knocking me into the car in front of me and them into the car in front of them. Like it was like, boom, boom. It just, yeah. And then I remember like I was all out of it and, and I just, cops drove me home. So they started driving me home and like I filled out a report and everything. And then, trucks came to carry away cars and everything and and uh cops drove me to like the border of the you know that their jurisdiction and then i just started walking home wow. and i lost my keys somehow I, I guess i dropped them along the road or something not even realizing it and i was just walking for miles without even like thinking like i was just walking and i texted my wife and told her and she came to get me and then went into the house and I remember as soon as I got to the stairs, I just like dropped and just like collapsed on the floor face down. And I was just out just on the floor. Man. And that was the best of it. 
after that, shit started getting weird. All kinds of things happened because my brain moved in my skull a little bit, where that changes aspects of your personality. So suddenly, people I loved felt like strangers that I didn't even know. Uh, I suddenly loved broccoli, and if it's the first, if it's on a plate, it's the first thing I'll eat before the steak or anything else. It's like, oh, broccoli! I never gave a fuck about broccoli. Like all things about my personality changed.、Uh, I couldn't really speak very quickly. It was very slowed down. And if you asked me a question that had an A or B answer, it was like I would just like I hit a brick wall and I wouldn't be able to answer. It was like it would be like a program, like a computer program with a bug in it. Right. It'd be like, hey, what do you want?、Um, the red or the blue? I'll take the. Weird. And I'd be stuck. And I couldn't make fists. I couldn't squeeze my hands. I couldn't for like almost years. I couldn't raise my arms in front of me. I had to relearn how to move and do things where I had to like keep my arms stiff and raise from the elbow or yeah. And it was pretty bad. But you could、and、still play guitar. No, I figured at this point I was just going to be producing for the rest of my life, and that's what I figured was going to be. And then I started going to physical therapy and just worked really hard, spend hours a day there. Just doing exercises and and all kinds of things, and they would be doing all kinds of weird stuff on my neck. And this woman would be like pulling on my head for like ten minutes to try and elongate, make space between the the vertebrae, and like all kinds of shit. And I just worked out really hard every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for hours. I would stay there extra longer, and and just did every machine. There and did everything I could to build the strength back while going also to these doctors that would be injecting shit into my fucking neck and 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 doing all kinds of just weird stuff. But the pain was just imagine the the pain would have felt like was imagine someone taking like a maybe like a one inch drill bit on a drill and just. Putting it into where your neck meets your back, and just putting it in there, and just going nonstop while pouring hot wax into the hole. You're killing me. And that's what it felt like. Twenty-four hours a day, nonstop. I couldn't think. I couldn't do anything. There were days where I would just spend all my time just standing up with my back to a wall, hitting the back of my head into a wall, just trying to divert the pain. And that was my life. My gosh. Yeah, and. That's how I had to tour, and you know, they, it was a hell that very few people have ever experienced. And the ones that have,、uh, they're almost in tears if we meet and we talk about it because no one else ever understood. So I was a fucking nutcase. I was like, you can't, you know, you have serious PTSD from a year of that, and. You know, because you're basically life is pure torture. You are being tortured every minute you're alive. And I tried to off myself during the tour.、Uh, Man, failed, which sucked even more in <laughs> the aftermath of that.、Uh, but from there, I tried every single thing. I went to every kind of doctor. I tried everything. I tried, you know, one guy, even like, I mean, I tried everything possible to alleviate the pain and. Nothing really worked, nothing. And then finally, as a last resort, I went to this doctor on the recommendation of another doctor friend I had. 
He's like, why don't you talk to this guy and see if there's anything he can do? And he took about five vials of blood, and he checked it for every single possible thing. Uh, he was amazed that my organs still worked. Like, the amount of things I, I took, like, before a show, I would take, like, 20 Advil yeah. with a shot of Jägermeister and being on Tramadol while being loaded up on steroids. And he's like, you should absolutely be dead from the, the things you did, and your organs should be, like, liquefied. He said that, that actually my heart was super strong, my kidneys, my liver, everything was rock solid. Uh, and he put me on a cleanse, a 112-day cleanse, where just by going by my blood, he, he's like, according to this and just talking to you and, and everything, uh, this is what I'm prescribing. And it was all about food and uh, when to eat, what to eat, what to stop eating, and certain supplements to take. He's like, look, <clears throat> those steroids wiped all the vitamin D out of your body. You have to go on a whole bunch of that to get that back. You have to, you know, the stress that this caused, your stress levels are so high that it's starting to fuck up your, your glands and, and you need to go on this DHEA to counterbalance. You need to start reading books on philosophy, gurus, self-help, learning how to manage being alive and how to deal with this. You need to get into therapy to figure out how to not be self-destructive with all of this. And the amazing thing is that I religiously, and to this day I still do, like this bottle here is water with fresh squeezed lemon in it, which is pretty much that and green tea is just about all I drink, which yeah. is what he prescribed. In about three weeks, the pain went down. from food, from cutting down inflammation, from food, from cutting, uh, for me, what I had to do is I had to start actually eating more red meat and I had to stop eating bread and I had to you know, cut out all kinds of bad sugar stuff and I had to you know, run for 20 minutes every morning in a special way where it's Sprinting for a minute and a half, jogging for two and a half, sprint for a minute and a half, jog for two and a half. It was called a peak eight type of exercise. And, you know, and I, you know, did it religiously by the book, exact organic apple in between meals, this much protein from this kind of source with these vegetables. And I did everything he said. And after three weeks, the pain was down and I dropped like all the bloat from the steroids, my hair was getting shinier, my skin was clearing up, my balance was better. Like it was fixing things I didn't even know was wrong. He saved my life. And it was not the drugs, it was, you know, it was not all the things I was being prescribed. It was not the pills, it was not the injections, it was not any of that. It was food. Interesting. Food is what did it. You are so lucky, man. The simplest. I mean you put in your 10,000 hours on yeah. that, on recovery, but your quest, yeah. your, and, I mean, that teacher that you found, what an incredible thing. Yeah, I mean, all everything that I was doing, I mean, it, you know, the exercise 
helps, of course, it always helps. But all the drugs and all the treatments were just putting a Band-Aid over a wound. They weren't treating the wound. And it was actually food. That changing my diet changed my body, and I was able... That's what yeah. did it. Fucking food. Uh, your nutrition. So yeah. I learned. I never was that much of a believer in it. I was just like, ah, calories in, calories out, work out, you're fine. No. You know, the old stuff that they said in the 70s and the way our grandparents ate, they were right. You are what you eat. And a lot of what we've been told, we've been misled, you know, by profit organizations, not to get all on in yeah. that kind of conspiracy sounding shit, but it's true. Look, you know, the sugar people paid off the studies to make a fake food pyramid that where they could sell more of their own shit. And yeah. we live by it and we've had more diabetes and obesity as a result. Yep. And society so, just kind of overlooks it. Yeah, whatever. Diabetes, obesity, it's just a thing. Yeah, doesn't, it's fucking criminal. It doesn't have to be. What they did. But it was food that saved me. So now, yeah, you know what? I still have pain. It's never totally gone. I still get numbness. I still have issues and everything. But it's manageable. I could deal with it. And I could still do what I do and I can play again. I mean, even during that tour, I was able to play because I just worked hard enough and exercised and did all the treatments and everything to get to that point. But I was doing it in a state of physical and mental uh, distress that I really needed more time to be, to heal. You know, I should not have been on tour. It was stupid. And, you know, that's a choice I made at 42 that I would not make, or 41 that I would not make at 51. Yeah. I would say, I don't give a shit about anything. Health comes first and happiness comes first. Without those two things, you have nothing. And you need to maintain that and you need to nurture that and you need to take care of that and put nothing before it. Music is not more important than health. This guitar, as much as I've devoted my life to it and I love it, this is not more important than health. Without health, you, don't, you can't do anything. Wow. And this got way more powerful than I even imagined. I knew it was going to be a deep interview with a cat like you, but wow. Yeah, it's a really important message you're, you're getting through here. Yeah. And since then, it's taken years to sort of just like level out and, and get my brain back into, into the right place of, I wouldn't say who I was, or at least just a better version of me, or, you know, we just keep trying to be a better version of ourselves. So these days, I spend... Every morning for an hour, just reading anything from, you know, about Stoic philosophy to cosmology to fucking quantum physics to anything. I, yeah. I'm being who I am, which is, you know what? I am a nerd. I love that shit unapologetically. I love it. And I'm yeah. damn proud of that. And, <laughs> you know, I make no, you know, there was a time when yeah. I used to feel like I needed to hide that side of me when I was younger and throughout the years. But no, that's who I am. And that's what I love. And, and I enjoy the shit out of it. And I share it with the people that also enjoy it. So yeah. that's good. So that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, just, yeah. just not giving all of myself away to the world the way musicians do. We're givers and we're people pleasers. And I've become, I, I should say, with all of that, I finally realized that I have to start including myself in that equation of giving and people pleasing. You need to please yourself and give to yourself as well. Yeah. 
It can't just be in one direction. You have to have me time and time to decompress and time to just, you know, recharge the batteries and to spend time building yourself and doing for yourself. That's very important. These are words not just to live by, but to stay alive by. Yeah. Very inspiring, man. Thanks for doing this show today. We've covered so much, but I, someone like you. I hope I haven't depressed the listeners talking about all this shit. Well, you know, it's a survival story, and those are always incredibly inspiring, actually. The, the way that you got through one of the biggest walls, which is this wall of Western medicine, like you said, just putting a Band-Aid on things and not always fixing. And the thing is, Western medicine is, you know, it's not evil. It's not like it doesn't work or anything. I think it just, it should be medicine, pills, injections, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And not in every case, but at least in, in this case, try nutrition and natural things first, not last. That was my mistake. I should have, and I didn't know. Try the natural methods first and medicine second. Like half the people that are put on statins and things like that, or half the people that are on things for diabetes, they could reverse the diabetes rather than putting the Band-Aid on it by just changing their nutrition as long as they're not too far gone. So that's, that's the thing is that the two should be working together. It shouldn't be one or the other. They should be part of uh, people's wellness. I won't forget this. I really won't. <laughs> really, yeah, you t you've taken us down a, a, a deep road really here. And uh, I thank you for that. I think anyone who's listening, sure, no problem. Anyone who's listening realizes there's some there's some possibilities if you're gonna put the, the time in. You want to play us out with a little little more guitar, real quick. I don't want to keep you here all day. <laughs> what what mood did that put you in? This 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 whole conversation of coming through the fire. There's a great picture of you on fire. <laughs> it's like your avatar. Oh, I don't know what kind of mood am I in. Outro music. Minute you go, stay to mine. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I never know what to play. If someone says, play something, I'm like, I don't know how to play. I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah, man. I love your, uh, your hybrid style, too. The get fretless to that level of intonation is is mind-boggling playing chords and stuff on the fretless neck everything is doable practice 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 congratulations That's on cool. being voted one of the top 10 prog guitar 
heroes? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you to the listeners of, or the readers rather, <laughs> of Prague Magazine for considering me for it and for. Well, thank, thanks for doing it today, Ron. You are a true hero in so many ways. Keep it alive to your 95. Thank you. And uh, shout out to Chris Buono, who uh, introduced me to you back in the day. Chris Buono, yes! What a killer guitar player, incredible teacher, and a great guy. Absolutely. No guitar is safe.